episode 255 i can't believe we made it here guys it's episode 255 of the pesky report um i'm ed hand and i am here with the minor league crew today uh hunter Knoll, Derek mcguire and jake t o'donnell but i think more uh more excitedly and if you check the uh the episode title i'm also here with uh for the uh, Greenville Christopher Troy. Uh, so for joining us today. I think we're losing Ed again. <laughs> yeah, I think we're losing. We already lost Ed. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah. So I'll I'll just jump in and say uh, we're all we're brought to you by Beyond the Monster. Um, and uh, thanks. Uh, we want to we want to thank Christopher Troy for for joining us today on uh, the podcast. Uh, Christopher, uh, welcome. Yeah, thank you guys very much for uh, for having me. I know I, I follow you guys' socials and stay up to date with what you guys are doing, um, and I uh, I'm excited to be here. Great, excellent. So uh, hopefully Ed will will be able to kind of figure figure out uh, uh, figure out what's going on with his audio and, and be able to join us. But I guess um, I'll start. I'll just kind of ask the first question and just start. Um, you know, you've you've put up really solid numbers so far in Greenville this year. Christopher, uh, how do you feel about how the season's going so far for you, uh, your your performance and and the performance of the team in Greenville so far? Yeah, I think from uh, from a team perspective, we've really caught stride the last couple of weeks, uh, put together a couple competitive weeks in a row. Uh, we're trending in the right direction. Um, personally, you know, I'm, I'm also turning in the right direction, and it's just a testament to, one, the, the work that I've been putting in, um, and two, the support staff, uh, and resources that, that the organization uh, provides for their minor leaguers. So, I mean, a combination of, of some hard work, great resources, and time. Uh, <laughs> a lot of days at the field, a lot of hours, a lot of minutes spent. Um, but combination of the few have, have, has led to some early success that I intend to, to keep rolling. Great. Ed, are, are, you, are you back? I don't think he's back. Uh, I think so. Sorry I about that. I, I think. Thanks for whoever oh, stepped yeah, in. We can hear that. you. Yeah, I, I stepped in. I, I uh, asked the first question just kind of about the season so far in Greenville. I know, Ed, you were going to ask the first question. So now that you're back. Oh, well, no, it's yours. You know, the, fir the first question, that honor, Jake, it's yours. It's yours now, and uh, I've lost it forever. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, my, my my question, my first question for you is, what was your what was your favorite team growing up, and who was your favorite player? Did, did you always know you wanted to be a pitcher? So I grew up in Northern California in a town called Brentwood. Uh, it's about an hour outside of San Francisco, Oakland area. Um, and I grew up a Giants fan. And funny enough, I never pitched until I got to college, until my freshman year at UC Santa Barbara. Uh, I was a high school American catcher. Um, and so as a, as a kid growing up in the Bay Area, it was a good time to be a, one, to be a Giants fan um, for those 2012, 2014 I think it was 2010, too, that won three in, in over five years. Um, but then also to be a catcher, right, where Buster Posey was kind of the one leading that charge and leading that team. So uh, growing up, favorite team was the Giants. Favorite player was Buster Posey. Um, and and never pitched until I got to college. That's wild. Like, how did they end up uh, switching you to a to a pitcher? I, I know Kenley Jansen did that also, but, um, like, how did, how did it happen for you? Um. I mean, one of my tools as a catcher, everyone everyone knew that I had a big arm uh, behind the dish, and I loved to throw, loved to show it off. Uh, but really, when I got to campus, uh, Coach Checks over at uh, UC Santa Barbara uh, had me get on had me get on the mound and throw a bullpen and just just to see what it was like. And uh, keep in mind, this is probably at the forefront of data analytics and RepSoto and TrackMan and all of that. So all of this is still really really new. Uh, 2017. Uh, the fall of 2017, so a few years ago now. Um, but but UC Santa Barbara, Coach Checks, and the data analytics team there—they've always been—they've always been as close to the frontier of data analytics as you can get in a D1 program. Um, and he had me throw a bullpen. Uh, he saw some special characteristics with my fastball uh, that I lend um, directly to my experience as a catcher and throwing balls 127 feet, trying to gun guys out and trying to get it there on a line. Um, and so there's there's some special characteristics with the fastball um, that I think was a result of my catching career that Coach Check saw, and he was uh, 
made it very clear that that, that he thought I was uh, it was something that we should run with. Hey, Andrew, you're up. Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, you share a lot of. I, I was on your like Instagram and your Twitter, and you share a lot of motivational quotes, deep thoughts on your social media. I was wondering if you have like a mental routine when you're training, or even pregame, or even if you're already in the bullpen and there's just something you do kind of to to get loose and get ready. One hundred percent. I mean, there's there's there's. I ran into a quote. Uh, forgive me because I can't remember who said it. Um, but there was something along the lines of, uh, routines make you fragile. And so that was, that was, uh, that was kind of a fine balance for me that I'm still learning that I'm still finding. It's like, it's good to have routines. It's good to be consistent. Um, but don't put too much stock into them, right? Like at at the end of the day, when I'm on the mound, it doesn't matter if I took three breaths or four breaths, or if I, or if I walked up to the mound the same way, or if I tied my shoes the same way, um, gotta go out there and compete. And so I think I think that um, I've, I've definitely embraced the routines make you fragile kind of mentality. Uh, but that's not to say that I definitely don't have routines. Uh, but I'll say my routines are definitely more with with preparation and how I go about uh, my work and, yeah. and 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 more along the lines of my process. And so I mean, every day I wake up, I, uh, I've got a I've got a subscription to the Calm app. Um, usually, uh, LeBron James did a little, uh, did a little partnership with them and he's got a little segment. So I'll tune into that every now and again. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I think, I think motivation is, is, uh, not something you can rely on. Right. Yeah. I think, I think, I think self-discipline and work ethic are probably more sustainable. Um, something that you can, that you can put more stock into. So, uh, when it comes to routines, uh, pre-pitch, pre-game, pre-outing, whatever it may be. Um, those are things that I feel like put me in the best position to succeed. But at the end of the day, when it comes time to perform, it's time to perform. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter uh, what I've done or what I what I need to do or what I wish I would have done. Yeah. yeah and of course, I asked you that. Uh, I had that I had that question prepared. And then yesterday I saw you on the uh, on the ladder in the in, <laughs> so in the bullpen so clearly you you definitely like to keep it loose but yeah 100 percent have to have to Derek go ahead yeah uh, I, I'll, I'll dive back into the catcher thing a little bit because so I don't know I like to do a lot of research with things sometimes I do too much research um I'm known by a lot of my friends especially in school, whatever, where I'm still in college, do always do too much research on things and I overcomplicate things. But you, you're a former catcher, and you look at the comparisons between a lot of sports and in football, as us as Red Sox fans and a lot of Red Sox fans end up being Patriots fans. Having a guy like Julian Edelman, who was a former quarterback, a wide receiver, a lot of people says that say that's an advantage. Do you feel like being a former catcher who is now a pitcher? Do you feel like that gives you any sort of advantage on the mound in any sort of way? having experience behind the plate and knowing, and maybe, maybe, you know, how to attack hitters in a little bit of a different way from that experience. Short answer. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, 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 you know, at the end of the day we're, we, we are where we are as a sum of everything that we've ever done. Um, and so with, I mean, through that perspective, yeah, 100%, I mean, blessed to be where I'm at. Um, very, very fortunate. Uh, but I mean, that's, that's, that's a large part of that was through my, through my adolescence and being the catcher. Um, so in terms of like direct relation, um, to the skill set required to be a good catcher, lending a hand into pitching, um, yes, I I think that, that, that there's benefit there. Um, but that's not to say that I also would not have benefited, uh, from pitching in, 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 in farm or in little league or travel ball, stuff like that. So. Um, tough to tell, but I will say that, uh, I'm, I'm happy to be where I'm at and catching all those years got me to where I'm at and they're a big part of, of where I am. So, uh, yes. Just, uh, to play off of that real quick, what was the hardest adjustment you had to make from going from catching to pitching? Throwing strikes. <laughs> it's a little it was a little was, easier. it was a little easier behind the dish to be like come on guys throw strikes you know but then when you're out the mound it's a, it's a little bit different and so i mean that's a that's a shout out i'll make to everyone watching 
um, and, and pitchers not throwing strikes and they're struggling a little bit, they're in a little funk. Hey, it's not it's not as easy as just throwing strikes. Um, and that was probably I mean that's probably that's that's the number one thing I'm still working on is my command. Um, got good stuff and and got got to tighten it up. Um, but that just takes reps, takes experience, and just takes doing it. And uh, I'm doing it. That's why I didn't pitch past Little League. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask about, you know, so you, you, you went ahead and, and you know, uh, mentioned to us that you were converted to a pitcher when you were in college. Um, and so going from catching to pitching, um, were there pitchers that you tried to model yourself after, either professionally or other? Like when you made that move, um, who did you look to to be as some, somebody like a, somebody that either you want to try to emulate or tried to pick up, pick up stuff from either professionally or, or anywhere? For me, it's, it's, it was, it was, it was like anything else um, in terms of learning uh, anything else. When I, whenever there's something new that, that catches my attention um, that I want to learn about, I dive, I dive deep and I try to learn as much as I can about it. Um, and so the one thing I will say that I learned is in pitching in baseball a little bit more generally, um, you got to keep things simple. So uh, immediately, immediately started looking at Pitching Ninja, started looking at uh, Trevor Bauer, what he was doing, um, TrackMan this, data, pitch design. And so immediately wanted to learn about biomechanics, um, all of those things that, that seemingly make up a good pitcher. And I think, I think early in my career, I, I, I let those things distract me from, from keeping things simple. Um, and that's still something, I mean, that's, that's how I, that's how I approach anything that I'm learning or, or, or anything else that I'm doing. Right. Um, just go ahead and dive straight in and learn as much as I can about it. So early on, you know, I, I really didn't model my game after anyone didn't really look to any pitchers. Um, it took me actually watching swings. Um, this is probably sometime in my early college years. Can't tell, can't put a date on it. Um, but as a, as a hitter, I used to, used to watch Albert Pujols. Um, and, and, and watch how those guys swing used to break it down. And then probably a year or so into my pitching, uh, career, I, I realized how come I don't do that with pitchers? Like, I, like I'm still watching, I'm still watching swing mechanics. I'm still watching big league hitters. Um, how come I'm not, how come, how come I'm not taking that same, that same perspective, that same lens to pitching? Um, and so since then, I think, I think one of the earliest guys that I, that I looked to was, uh, Garrett Cole. And I mean, it's a, he's a, he's a, He's an easy one to look to, right? He's, his, his delivery is unbelievably simple. Um, he's got a, absolutely electric stuff. Um, and, and, and I think that my repertoire, uh, my fastball profile, my slider profile um, are pretty similar to his. Um, I actually don't know the, the, the metrics on, on his pitches, but just based on how, he, uh, how I watch him pitch, uh, he goes upper third with the heater and then spins a slider off of that. Um, he gets some whiffs on the fastball. So, um, that was one of the first guys that I really, really emulated, which uh, had some success for me um, in the summer of 2018 in Mystic, Connecticut. I was playing in the New England Collegiate Baseball League uh, for the Mystic Schooners. And I had a really successful summer there. And it was because I was trying to keep my delivery as simple as possible because you'll watch Garrett Cole and it's like, dude, this guy's barely trying. You know, he, like, he just lifts his leg and all of a sudden 103 comes firing out yep. um, with, the, with the wipeout slider. So um, maybe not maybe not mechanically trying to emulate him, um, but definitely learning by watching him use his repertoire and watching just the ease and the simplicity of his delivery. Was that your first time in New England when you were playing uh, playing in Connecticut? I uh, I went to Cooperstown when I was twelve years old. Was was fortunate enough to be a part of that group. Um, so we actually, funny story, we, um, we actually flew into Boston uh, with my dad and my younger brother. Um, we caught a game at Fenway, and then we drove to Cooperstown and played the Cooperstown uh, Dreams Park up there. Um, and so after, 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 that, uh, after that experience, as a 12-year-old in, in Fenway, it's, it's kind of hard not to fall in love with the place uh, with all the history that, 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 that comes with it. Um, and so the Giants, of course, were always my favorite team growing up. But at that point, the Red Sox were my American League team um, and never had, to, never had to choose between the two, uh, thankfully, but probably would have chosen Giants back in the day. Uh, but, yeah, so the, the Red Sox were always my American League team. I always rooted for them. 
did um when you what what did my other question for because that was sort of just a playoff there, but um what did you what did you study in college and if you hadn't been a baseball player, what would you have wanted to do? I studied philosophy in college, uh philosophy major. Um I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I it's hard for me to think about um anything else than chasing my dream. And 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 to be honest with you guys, ever since I was little, I mean playing in uh playing in the MLB uh, at the time as a catcher. Uh, but since uh, as a pitcher, like that's just, that's been my dream. Now I do a lot of things off the field. Um, started a real estate investment business, uh, freshman year of college. Um, so those are like, I, I do things off the field. I still enjoy reading, still enjoy writing, uh, doing a lot of those things. Um, but in my mind, it's not an either or thing. And uh, if I wasn't playing baseball, I think I'd probably be coaching it or doing something something in the game still, honestly. Hitting some tanks and some slow pitch softball league. <laughs> yeah, crushing some beers a second might 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 sound pretty desirable. <laughs> I might uh, have some questions to ask you about uh the real estate stuff just because we're uh we're looking now and it is <laughs> I wish there was like a like when I was in high school even like a class for for that it's yeah it's it's hard 100 <laughs> percent yeah I think uh I mean I think financial literacy is 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 something that the formal education system doesn't spend enough time on yeah um, and that's I mean that's that's a little bit of a passion project of mine off the field um especially being around the amount of young guys that I'm around uh with a lot of money you know they they they, they seem to they seem to trust me and they seem to uh to look to me for advice. Uh, I know I'm not a financial advisor, um, but I can tell them what I, what I'm doing. Um, and so, I mean, I think, you know, going back to the original question, like I can't tell you that I'd be in real estate or doing some private equity thing. Uh, if I wasn't playing baseball, like in my mind, I don't have to choose between the two. I could do both. And I do. All right. Well, uh, I want to thank you for bringing up, uh, reading. Because my next question was, uh, I wanted to know if there was a specific author or person that you like to read or listen to when you're trying to get into that right headspace. That's an interesting caveat you put at the end when you try to get into the right headspace. Um, I don't necessarily know if there is a right headspace, right? There's sometimes I go out to the mound uh, and sometimes there's, there's, there's negative self-talk or there's self-doubt um, or there's nerves or there's adrenaline or... Uh, my family's in the stands and I can't wait to see them or there's 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 any number of things um, that I guess my mind could be on. Um, so the right headspace for me is just what's my sign? What pitch am I throwing? Where am I throwing it? Execute. And and and, and that's that's my right headspace. Yeah. Um, and that's that's irregardless of how nervous I am or how sad I am or how happy I am uh, or whatever myriad of emotion I could be feeling at the time. Um, so I'll, I'll piece up the question. One, I just answered that little last piece about what that right headspace looks like to me. Um, and secondly, what do I like reading? Um, I currently am reading Nassim Nicholas Taleb's Skin in the Game. Um, and I'm a big fan of uh, Taleb, also a big fan of Naval Ravikant. Um, two very successful businessmen that in my opinion are more philosophers, modern day philosophers um, that have used business for business for social good, um, if you will, and, and creating profit from solving problems sustainably uh, for the for the human race. So I think in my mind, those are probably the books I enjoy reading the most. Um, I just finished uh, Victor Frankel's A Man's Search for Meaning. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that book. Um, he was a psychotherapist in the Holocaust and, and relives relives some of his experiences, but also the second piece is a philosophical take on what the meaning of life is as he tries to uh, define it and what, what allowed him and others to survive when, and others didn't. Um, and there's an element of luck in that. Um, but yeah, I think, I think most of the things that I enjoy reading are probably philosophical. Um, but then Nolan Ryan, big Texas, uh, pitcher's Bible is undefeated. So <laughs> so probably any range from philosophy to baseball. Yeah, I'll kind of talk about we'll talk about a little bit about the draft process here because get back in the Libans baseball. Um, because I think it's 
every kid who grows up playing baseball, especially if baseball is their main sport, you dream about getting drafted by a big league team. I mean, I, I know that was my dream when I was a kid. Uh, what was it like to be drafted by the Red Sox? And what was your just draft experience in getting drafting, finding out that you got drafted? What was it? Family's reaction, friends' reactions. What was the whole experience like? Do we have time for this answer? But no, so so I uh, we'll start back in 2019. Uh, Freshman year, I think pitched like 20 innings. Sophomore year, pitched another 20. uh, But was trending in the right direction. I was invited to go play in Katuit in the Cape Cod League uh, for Coach Roberts, uh, Coach Mike Roberts, and um, tore my UCL my first outing. So. Uh, 2019 going into my junior year, my third year, my draft eligible year, um, took a mental toll on me and, uh, come to find out, uh, COVID was the following season of 2020. Um, so I may have been possibly the only, the only person to benefit. Um, I don't actually like the word benefit, um, but in a position to take advantage of, uh, what was COVID in the time that we had. Because uh, I wasn't in a rush, you know, it's a 12-month recovery, but um, I was I was able to really take my time. In retrospect, I had 24 months to do a, 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 a Tommy John rehab, um, so I thought that that was very beneficial um, for me, uh, just to be able to take my time. So, uh, go out my senior year, um, maybe my statistically worst season as a pitcher, um, which was in large part uh, the mental game, the mental side of things, uh, especially coming off of Tommy John. Um, and then I went back out to Katuit before the draft, uh, tried to pitch my way into, into, uh, into raising the, the draft stock a little bit. Um, I believe I had two appearances and walked seven or eight or something ridiculous like that. So um, if anything hurt my draft stock. Um, and going into the draft, I was very uh, – I knew that a lot of teams were interested. Everyone likes my fastball metrics. Um, and, 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 and I mean, I can understand why, but you know, it was, it was, it was, it was, there was some emotion of when am I going to go? Am I going to go? Um, it, will it be a free agent sign? And, and, you know, in those times, man, you're like it, it's biologically wired to go to the worst possible outcome. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like that is, that is the definition of anxiety, right? It's like, it's like you start thinking into the future, about the worst possible outcomes and what could come of it. Um, and so, you know, not pitching well, um, still mentally probably not where I needed to be to perform. Um, and so that was, I was, I was nervous. Now, granted, I, I, um, I had the right team in order. Danny Horwitz, Beverly Hills Sporting Council, they always believed in me from, from the beginning. Um, and they, they stuck with me despite um, some, faltery, some faulty uh, performances. Um, you know, I have a great support system at home and, and, uh, my family's family's my, my everything, uh, they really are. And so, you know, the draft experience was, was, it was a relief, um, to go in the 12th round, especially to go to the Red Sox. I'd gotten some calls before then, um, late, late, uh, day two in that seven to 10 round range, um, where they wanted to senior sign me. Um, and, and, and make some room for some other guys to, to overpay. Uh, but for me, I mean, it was, it was an opportunity to continue to chase my dream. And, and the, the amount of relief that I saw that I had when I was in Katuit, um and I got the call from the Red Sox, man, it was, uh, it was uh, a certain level of relief that I probably can't accurately describe here. Uh, but my family, my friends, my littlest brother, he's 14 now, Caden, um, five years ago, he's nine years old. So uh, I think he probably was the most excited one out of everyone <laughs> to see his, uh, his his eldest brother get drafted. Um, but no, nah, dude, it was it was. I mean, it was incredible. It was incredible. So as as you you know, you get drafted and you go to the you go to the um, the Florida Complex League, and and you you've worked your way up. Obviously, you've played at now three different levels of the Red Sox minor league system and played in college as well. What would you say are some of the sort of biggest adjustments you've had to make or challenges that you faced as you've kind of worked your way up level to level going, like I said, up to the, now the the third level of the minor leagues that you've been to, what are the different, like I said, big adjustments that you've had to make as you've moved up? Being a consistent performer. 
And um, most people who haven't played a professional season probably doesn't don't doesn't is un, is incapable of understanding the weight um, that consist being a consistent performer holds. It's a long season, a lot of travel. You're away from home. In my case, everything's on the East Coast with the Red Sox organization, and I'm on the other side of the country from family and friends. Um, so being a consistent performer, man, that's – I mean, that's – I could we could spend the rest of the podcast talking about what that means. Um, but the biggest the biggest adjustment for me is how do I – how do I give 100% of whatever I have that day? Um, and I always – when I was on, you know – even even when I didn't pitch well, even when I didn't have great seasons, I always had flashes of great outings uh, where I, where I would absolutely dominate. And so so it wasn't necessarily about getting my best better. It was a more it, it is still is more about getting my worst better. And 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 how do I perform on my worst day? And how do I perform on my okay day? And 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 getting those days better. And I think Coach Jacks uh, UC Santa Barbara, um, you know he he might have taken this from Ken Revisa or some of the mental godfathers, if you will, of, uh, of, of, of the mental skills game of baseball. Um, but he talks in terms of A, B, C, D, F games, right? Like you've got your C game. How good is your C game? You've got your A game. That's easy, dude. You show up to the yard, you know, just by feeling the baseball, like I could put this wherever I want. Yeah. I could throw whatever I want, whenever I want. Um, and that's one out of every 10 outings. Um, so then the other six – outings it's probably gonna be your bc game how good is that game um and then you're gonna have your occasional clinker which no which no one wants to talk about and everyone wants to avoid <laughs> but you're gonna stumble man and um and i think for me you know the biggest adjustment that i will continue to have to make and continue to work on um and had, and has contributed to the success i've had so far this year is becoming a consistent performer and you uh you just talked about your family a minute ago uh, and you were just talking about the adjustments you had to make and how it's been hard for you because you're East Coast now, they're West Coast. Is that something that you think kind of plays into that? You were just saying uh, being a consistent performer. Was it easier when you kind of had that support system there at all times and now you're kind of moved away from that? Like you don't have that, that comfort of like they're here or is that something that doesn't really bother you? That's a great question. Um I would like to say that nothing affects my performance um, except for when I'm on the mound, ready to rock and roll uh, in my preparation. Um, now, to what degree does being on the other side of the country play into it? Um, like, I'm, I'm not going to say that that's, uh, that that's a reason that I don't perform. Um, but there's definitely, there's definitely a level of comfort that you feel when you have your family um, come visit you yeah. and, 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 a, and a certain sense of familiarity. Um, my dad was a, my dad was a Marine, a military, a military guy, um, and who probably listened to this. So I have to say that he still is a Marine. It's one of those things. Once you're, once you're a Marine, you're always a Marine. So, um, he is a Marine. Um, and you know, to, to bring a little perspective to what I, to what I do, um, I'm not halfway across the world, uh, getting shot at. Uh, missing my family for six months out of the time. Like I see him, I see him maybe every six, eight weeks. They fly out, somebody takes a trip, got cousins that come see me, friends that come see me, you know? So when you, when you, when you take it, when you look at it from, from that perspective, like I'd say, I mean, it's just, it's, it's part of the gig. It's part of the gig. It's what you sign up for. Yeah. You talk about the A game, B game, C game. Now, I think it was well, – I'm not sure if it was last week. I think it was two weeks ago. But you had one of the most dominant outings out of the bullpen that I've seen all season. It was, I think, three innings, one hit, seven strikeouts. And it, that last strikeout, you um, – it was just like – it was like watching Jonathan Papelbon pitch. You were so uh, – you were so amped up. It was real – it was just really cool to watch. What – like, how would you grade that outing? And what's what's going through your head when you're – you know, when you're shoving like that. Yeah, I think so. We'll, we'll take it a step back. I um, I was just in the clubhouse using the restroom uh, about to uh, loosen up in the bullpen. Not sure when I was going to hear my name. Not sure if my name was going to get called, but I was going to get ready. Um, and as I'm walking back into the bullpen from the clubhouse bathroom, um, one of my teammates is running 
towards the clubhouse. And he says, Troy, you're in the game. And I said, <laughs> I said, what? I got, what, do you mean, what do we mean I'm in the game? Um, Di Valerio, Jordan Di Valerio, one of my teammates, um, came out of the game with an injury. Uh, nothing too serious, and he's, and he's healthy now, so thank goodness. Um, but they said, it, yeah, they just took him out of the game and uh, kept our pitching coach called down for you, so you're in the game. So um, immediately took the sweatshirt off, took the arm sleeve off, and just jogged out to the field. Um, and uh, this is actually an interesting point because um, talking about the routines, I've made that jog a few times before. And so for me, it was like – do what I know, just just jog the way I knew I was going to jog into the field. When I get to the edge of the grass, do my little my little one-two skip, a little glove tap, a little let's go. And then I had to warm up in front of a, in front of a, a big Greenville, South Carolina crowd. Um, so for me, I mean, I, it, was, it was stay locked in on, on what I know I needed to be locked in on in order to, in order to perform or in order to give myself the best opportunity to perform. Um, which is just my target and, and, and focusing on making pitches one pitch at a time. Um, and I actually forgot what the question was because I'm answering this so long winded, uh, but we'll keep talking about my performance because uh, pretty, 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 pretty pleased with it, obviously. Um, yeah, you're on the right track. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, man. And, and, and we were, we were, we were down six to one yeah. in the sixth inning. And so, so there's a lot of behind the scenes things that, 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 that's not on the stream that you don't get to see, right? You don't get to see the big eight run inning uh, before going out to my, for my third inning of work. Like you don't get to see what's going on in the dugout and maybe you can to a certain degree, but man, I mean, the eight run, an eight run rally coming from behind um, the inning before they put up, a, I think they put up three or four runs. So they scored runs every single time I was in, I was in the dugout and I had to remove myself from that, from that energy to stay focused um, but, but I could still feel the energy. I could still feel the dugout. I could see Marcella Meyer and Blaze Jordan and those guys, uh, Paulino, Edison Paulino, uh, those guys putting together just at bat after at bat after at bat. And I'm just trying to stay loose, trying to stay warm, uh, because they're long half innings and the whole time, you know, they're celebrating and they're bringing out the chef's hat and the, and the, <laughs> and, and, and they got the bullpen antics and they got it all going on. And, you know, a lot of, I mean, those are my friends and, and, and to not to be, and, and to not, be able to celebrate with them um, required required a certain level of focus. That like, okay, my time my time to celebrate with them. I will be able to celebrate with them. I will be able to to give to to give the energy and the props that that, that I know that they're, that they're providing. And so for me, it was more about just staying focused uh, right now on what I need to stay focused on in order to perform and in order to keep us in the ball game. Uh, obviously, after that three run inning, we're still we're still behind. Um, in the seventh, um, and then the big eight-run inning, we take the lead. Uh, and so going out there for my last inning of work, I get a first-pitch flyout, um, which early contact and efficiency is probably not a way that you'd describe me. Um, I would like to say because I get a lot of whiffs, um, <laughs> but also because uh, I, throw, uh, I throw some balls sometimes. Um, but then to, to – strike out the next two guys. I mean, especially on a heater up that last pitch I threw before, before I celebrated, like no, none of that was none of the celebration and none of, none of the emotion I was feeling uh, was really planned. It was, it was an invite. It was a culmination of the fans um, in Greenville getting loud. Uh, the, the incredible uh, comeback that uh, and lead that we took over the course of my three innings of work on top of the fact that I punched out seven of the 10 batters that I faced. Um, so, so, so that combination of things, I mean, it was just, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was my, my best professional performance uh, of my young professional career up to this point. Um, and my work's been, my work has been to continue to focus on what, I, what I need to focus on in order to give myself an opportunity to have that outing again not necessarily saying that I will have that outing again, um, but basically that I'm on the right track and to keep doing what I'm doing. Uh, I think you bring up your teammates and that big rally they had. I, th I think it does parlay very well and move into their parlay is probably not the right word to use. Let's be honest. Okay. <laughs> won't you won't, won't use that word. Uh, it, it, it transitions us very nicely into one of the questions I actually wanted to ask was uh, because 
uh, some people, and I'm very heavily believe in that, having a group of guys come through the minors together and playing together in the minors and reaching the big leagues together only makes everyone better and everyone can grow together and you develop these relations in the minor leagues and it only makes you closer as a team in the big leagues uh, when you all get there. Is there any teammates that you've had, whether it's this year or last year or whenever, or even in college, if there's any teammates in college that you want to talk about that, you've really that you've formed good bonds with that have helped that have helped you get better or help the both of you get better or help a group of you guys get better together. Yeah, man, I think I think I think culture is everything. Um, and 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 you know, culture culture is one of those things that is from the bottom up. Um, I truly I truly truly believe that it starts it starts starts with the masses um, and works its way up the ladder like you could have a boss at the top of the pyramid screaming, Hey, this is our culture. This is what we talk about. This is what we do. Um, but at the end of the day, like that's not culture. Yeah. Uh, that's, 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 um, people in leadership positions telling you how to think, how to act, how to yeah. feel, how to do. Um, and I really think that, that, that culture starts from the, from the, from the ground up. Um, but I will say this about the Boston Red Sox organization as a whole, uh, granted I've only been to three different levels. Um, but I anticipate, that the kind of culture that that I've experienced just being in this organization is probably pretty consistent. Um, and a large, I mean, a large part of that is just, I mean, it's the Boston Red Sox, man. You know, it's it's one of the most historic franchises of all time. Um, so, so in terms of camaraderie, brother brotherhood, um, making each other better, like it's 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 something that it's something that got us results. Uh, at UC Santa Barbara, it's something that I've always felt very, very passionate about, and 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 continuing to foster and build uh, a culture that makes everyone better. Um, but obviously, you know that that requires buy-in from the other, from other parties as well. Um, and I think I think what we got going right now, uh, at least in Greenville, uh, is is a culture of of hard work. It's a culture of 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 um, wanting to win. I know the minor leagues. You know, it's like wow, like. You guys actually want to win, you know, and, and it doesn't really seem like there's a lot of stock in winning in the minor leagues. Um, but I mean, the group that we have here, man, it's like we're winners. And if we're going to be here and we're going to play, we're going to win, man. And, and and I think that that's kind of the culture that uh, that that has has garnered some success up to this point. Um, and maybe garnered isn't the right word, but it's OK. You and I can uh, go look at definition of parlay and garnered and figure out a <laughs> Figure out, figure out if we're using the right word, um, but it sounds good, so we'll stick with it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, man, I think I mean, I mean, the culture, the culture, the culture is everything. Um, I was just hanging out actually with Marcelo Meyer and Blaze, and we got steaks for tonight, the one off day. So dinner's on us. We went to uh, Whole Foods, got some steaks, uh, walked around uh, Academy, which is the first time I've ever been into an Academy uh, sporting store. They don't have them on the West Coast, I don't think. Um, so we were just hanging around, grabbed some boxing gloves and hit like the little boxing sash, uh, shot some basketball, messed around, you know, tried to stay loose, trying to have a good time on the off day. Walked around uh, Greenville downtown. It's a beautiful area. Uh, but it's, it, it's, it's, it's things like that that I think that I'll remember more than, than one outing, uh, whether good or bad. Um, though I probably won't forget the three-inning outing I had for a while. So uh, and that's a long-winded answer and probably – Probably didn't even answer your question at all, but uh, I like hearing myself talk. So there it is. <laughs> but it's, it, it's fine. I, I, I'll, I'll add to it. You know, you say winning, and uh, there's some people outside here that just want to see the player development in the minors. But I'm a, I'm a big believer, and I, maybe it's because I watch a lot of other sports. But even winning in the minor leagues is a big thing. I mean, Barcelona and soccer, they literally get older players onto their youth teams to build a winning a winning culture there. To, and then they eventually grow those young players into their winning culture on their on their main team. And I think having a winning culture even in the minor leagues is a big thing because eventually you guys are going to be in the big leagues. And if you don't have a winning culture in the minor leagues, how are you going to have a winning culture in the big leagues? Yeah, yeah, I think I think. And but but let's unpack what what having a culture of winning actually means, right? Having a culture of winning means you don't skip reps. Yeah. When 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 you have to be somewhere. You're there because you know that if you're not there, you're missing reps. You're not getting better. 
and, and, and holding each other accountable, which isn't always comfortable or easy to do. Or sometimes there's a language barrier um, that you're not really able to. Um, but, but to figure out a way to, one, um, compete with each other uh, in the healthy form of competition by seeing, wanting to see you both do well, um, as opposed to um, a thought that uh, I haven't experienced in my time here where, where someone's begging for someone else to do bad or, or get hurt so that they can move up. Like I, like I, I don't know, but I don't think that that exists here. Um, and, and that's something that, that I'm, that I'm pretty grateful for, um, just having that culture of, of really, really trying to get the best out of others, um, which elevates your own game, uh, at the end of the day. And at the end of the day too, like, yeah, we all want to be big leaguers for the Boston Red Sox, but, uh, there's a good opportunity that some of us aren't, um, and some of us might, might, might debut with another club or another team. Um, and that's not, that's an uncomfortable thought. Uh, for some people, uh, for the most part, but at the end of the day, man, like, yeah, we are competing with each other, but we're competing with every every minor leaguer in every organization. So at the end of the day, like, yeah, there's only eight bullpen spots in the big leagues for the Boston Red Sox, but eight times thirty is two hundred and forty. Like, we're competing with two hundred and forty big league uh, relievers at the end of the day, and that's that's kind of how I view it. That's kind of how most people I talk to uh, in Greenville view it, and so it's 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 a healthy level of competition and healthy level of accountability that, that lend itself to winning sometimes. <laughs> um, so I wanted to ask you, we've talked a bunch about this, this three inning outing that you had. Um, and I was just curious about your, your role, your usage. And you, you talk about fostering the, uh, you know, the winning culture and what that means. And I think that, um, there's a lot of different ways to take that, which is also you do kind of what's asked of you on that day. Um, that's at least kind of been my, you know, a lot of, a lot of, the, of my uh, understanding of that and the way that teams work and just sort of understanding what your role is and your role could be just kind of whatever it is that day. Um, that day you were asked to throw three innings. I looked at your, your game log this year and that was like by far the most that you've pitched in one game. You've had a, most of your outings have been an inning. Some of them have been a little bit o- over, but this game, you were at you. They had you go three innings. Um, I guess I would ask is you, you talked about what was happening in that game and and the comeback, and you were locked in that kind of thing. Was you going three innings in that game a bit of a surprise to you? Um, and or do you and do you expect to have those sort of long multi inning appearances be kind of how you get used going forward? Yes, I think. I mean. I, I did not go into the game thinking, okay, yeah, I'm going to pitch three innings tonight. Um, and and most of the time, I pitch one one inning. Um, if it's not in the ninth inning, I'm not I'm not assuming I'll pitch more than than one. Like it's not it's not a thought that crosses my mind in terms of how long am I going to be out here, um, how many pitches am I going to throw, how many innings am I going to throw. Like I just know when my number's called, like I got to be ready. Um, and whether I'm ready or not, I got to perform. Even more importantly. Um, so, you know, in terms of my usage, uh, there's no, there's no minor leagues. Uh, maybe it's a little different in Double A, Triple A. I anticipate it probably is, uh, but at least in my experience in Low A and High A, um, is there's not really clearly defined roles uh, as a as a as a bullpen arm. And so, for the most part, like I've been I've been thrown in a, a lot of different situations. I've been thrown in the ninth, been thrown into the seventh for a one inning start or a stint. Um, been been thrown into the game with two outs and runners on first and third or no outs and runners on second. Um, and so there's never, there's never like thought of how far can I go? How long can I pitch? It's always more of a thought of make this pitch and then the next pitch happens and make this one. And then the next one happens and then make this one. And then, and then at the end of the day, you can look back and, and say, well, what was my stat line? How long did I go? How many pitches did I throw? Uh, but not too many, not too much fourth, forethought um in regards to usage so it came up a little bit with um with derek's question just about uh camaraderie and learning a winning culture but who are some who are some of the mentors that you've learned the most from and um who would you say was the first one that you really connected with and what 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 makes a good mentor for christopher troy 
are we talking in terms of Boston Red Sox organization, um, pitching specifically, personal? Anywhere with coaching for you uh, in your because you, you know it all. I feel like you said the you, you said something alluding to this earlier that were kind of the amalgamation of all of our experiences. So I I mean there's there's advice I got as an eight year old that is still probably good advice now. Um, so I mean it all it all matters. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I will say this, you know, uh, Coach Checks at UC Santa Barbara, I mean, I had very, very blessed uh, to be able to play for him um, in the in in really the 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 program that he's he's that he's built at UC Santa Barbara to make him uh, a force in college baseball. Um, but I mean, he was my first pitching coach, you know, and 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 he coached Dylan Tate, he coached Shane Bieber, he, to- he coached Tyler uh, Tyler Anderson, he coached a lot of big league guys. Um, I mean, a lot of like big time, big league guys. Um, and, and so really, I mean, being my, being my first pitching coach, like whatever, whatever he said, I, I took, I took it word for word, you know, and I was, and I was studying his word and I was, you know, and I was trying to be the best uh, student that I could be, uh, in regards to pitching. So, I mean, he was my first pitching coach, uh, never pitched before that. So I think, I think from just the foundational uh, perspective, man. I, I, I'm I'm glad that I had the foundation that I had uh, with Coach Checks. Um, I've been blessed to be around some great pitching minds. Um, Nick Green last year uh, in Salem was, I thought, the perfect coach for me at that time and where I was in my development. I, I learned so much from him uh, over the course of the season, and then I'm I'm learning a lot from uh, Coach Kip Kipper. Um, out here in Greenville, I mean, he's got eight years big league service time. Uh, he's a lefty, uh, probably a little craftier than than I am. But I mean, there's 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 still definitely a um, a brain to pick, and, and and to have somebody with that much big league service that you get to, you, I mean, you really get to sit next to him and, and and ask him questions like, hey, what was it like? What was it like playing with Barry Bonds? You know what I mean? Um, just I mean, just stuff like that where it's like it doesn't necessarily pertain to pitching, but it pertains to baseball and experience um, and, and things that, 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 that make me a better pitcher. Um, so I can't, I can't, I can't say one person in particular, um, but I know that, that I picked up a little from everywhere I've gone. Um, and, and I've been very, very fortunate to run into some great people. Uh, this is just kind of something if you if you wanted Red Sox fans to get to know you, what's one thing you'd like them to know about you? I want them to know I'm hungry. I want them to know that uh, that I want to be a big leaguer, man. I uh, not not just be a big leaguer, but I want to dominate at the big league level. And and whether or not I do that, I don't know. Um, I don't know what fate has in store for me. Uh, I don't know what the destiny is, if you will. Um, but I know that I'm working every day like like that, like that, like I'm destined for that. Um, I'll wrap up my questions with I was originally going to ask what's the best piece of advice that you received, but I'm going to change it up a little bit. Um, everyone's path to big leagues is a little bit different, but if you could go back and go back and tell your younger self one piece of advice, what would that one piece of advice be? Don't take it too seriously. Have fun. Stay loose. Nice. I, I'm going to shift back into the sort of baseball and the preparation and those kinds of things. Uh, you know, you mentioned off the top that, like, when you first started to get into pitching, you were looking at a lot of the biomechanical stuff and uh, some of the, you know, the tracking and things like that. I wanted to ask, and, and it sounds like maybe you thought that you were kind of maybe a little too focused on that at first. Um, but I wanted to ask you how today, how in the current setting you're utilizing things like, are you utilizing analytics and pitch shape data and the, and the modeling and, and other biomechanical info as part of your sort of work and preparation, either during the season or in the off season. Um, and if you are kind of how are what are, what of those things do you utilize and how often is it part of, how you get ready for for uh, for pitching for Greenville? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I come into contact with that stuff on a daily basis. Um, love numbers, love love looking at statistics, love looking at um, pitch metrics, uh, pitch shapes, um, pitching ninja, Rob Friedman's uh, drop box of grips and everything else like that and everything in between. And I, I, I truly love the art of pitching. Um, and, and there's always a science side to, to an art. Um, and so I, I think that while data and metrics and technology doesn't fully encapsulate what it, make, what, it, what it takes to be a good pitcher. I think that there's definitely some balance or some portion of, of the art of pitching uh, that is science. So on a daily basis, I mean, I'm throwing, I'm throwing bullpens and um, working, on, working on new grips, working on um, trying to shorten up my slider, throw it harder. Right now it's, it's a little gyro-y, um, which is, uh, I'm not sure how familiar you guys are with, with uh, spin terms, but gyro just essentially, it's like a bullet. I throw behind the baseball pretty well, um, actually very well. So uh, getting around the baseball and throwing a sweeping slider is is a little bit tougher for me, but that's fine because uh, the sweeper wouldn't necessarily play with the with the fastball up. Um, it would be nice to have one, but not 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 necessarily required or or that advantageous for my repertoire. So to get a slider um, that gets that's a little bit harder. Um, and a little bit shorter in terms of the vertical depth uh, and have it kind of go straight down. Fastball's going like this. If I have a slider that goes like that, then I'd say that that's pretty, uh, it's pretty good. And that's where that's, I mean, that's, 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 a, that's an example of, of how I might use it and how we're using the de- developmental coaches uh, here at Greenville um, that help us really digest and learn um, the technology and what the numbers mean and what the metrics mean um in order to use them to 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 uh to our advantage and to master our craft but at the end of the day man when you're on the mound you're not thinking about metrics yeah and and so a lot of that stuff comes into the preparation um and and your bullpens and your catch play uh and things of of those nature uh just as a quick follow-up i know that this is something that's come up recently where the red Sox have hired you, you brought this up the development coaches at at all the different levels what is your kind of interaction with those uh, those coaches like? Because because I don't know that every organization does this. Like uh, effectively, the Red Sox have hired people who it's their job to kind of take a lot of the um, the the data, the analytics, like all of that stuff, and translate it to the coaches and the players to be able to use it data use it day to day. Like you said, what are what are those interactions like? Um, I guess I'm just I'm just really curious about that. Let's. Uh... Let's pretend I'm throwing a bullpen. Um, I've got my pitching coach behind me, Bob Kipper. Uh, We've got our development coach, Alex Reynolds, who is tremendous, by the way, and I can't say enough good things about him. He's a a young guy. I believe I'm older than him, actually. Um, 24, I think he's 23. Um, But, I mean, dude is is wicked smart and and knows his stuff. And so – um, and then we have a video coordinator intern who's working the actual uh, technology. Um, and so those are the three people standing behind me um, at a minimum um, when I'm throwing a bullpen. And if, for instance, I've got a pitch design goal to um, create more vertical drop and slightly more horizontal sweep on my slider while also throwing it three miles an hour or harder. Um, which is a pitch design goal because that pitch with that metrics um, grades out um, way better than my current slider grades out Um, in whatever, whatever proprietary ranking system that they share. I don't know how much of that I can talk about. I actually don't know at all if I can talk about it. Uh, We don't want you to get in trouble. Yeah. I mean, they haven't said anything in that, but I mean, they've got some good data stuff and I mean, they're they're super smart people. And I know that, I know that they got a lot of good, uh, data scientists and computer programmers and people that I've got no idea what it is that they do. Uh, but, but they help us, they help us in a big way. Um, but no, so, so, so I'll throw a slider and, uh, Kip will ask me, my pitching coach will ask me what I felt. You say, visually, that looks good. That looks like you hit, like, that looks like the slider that we want. Um, what did you feel? And I'll say something to the effect of, I felt more on top of it and really wanted to bring my, my fingers through the baseball down through them which created more of a gyro spin and more vertical depth. Um, and then we'll say, and then Kip will say, Alex, does, does the, does the technology, does the track man support uh, the visual? 
and we'll go look at the numbers, we'll look at the metrics, and we'll say, actually, um, it didn't have as much vertical depth as we thought it did, um, and it was way slower than we wanted it, and your horizontal numbers were terrible, and it was a it was a it was a dog shit slider. <laughs> I was gonna say it didn't sound like you were describing it very well. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but no, most of the time Kip gets it right. Kip Kip with his uh, with his eyes gets it right. <laughs> so I just I just want to point out it's really yeah. interesting that you're talking about this sort of dichotomy of the of the way that the game has progressed over the last like you know twenty not even twenty years fifteen years it's been shorter than that you're talking about Bob, Bob Kipper has worked in the Red Sox organization for well over twenty five years he would he or about twenty five years he pitched in the big leagues in the eighties and yeah. he's the he is the the pitching coach and he's a, a, alongside a 23 year old guy who's giving these pointers and everybody is working together. I think, and, and you're, you're open to these ideas too. That's a, that is a real testament to what I think the Red Sox have built in our, just in, in a short period of time. Um, that's, that is, that is amazing to hear that melding of, Again, Bob, I'm, I'm trying to stress this. Bob Kipper has been around. He has seen it all. He was a bullpen coach for the Sox on a couple. Self-proclaimed old school. Well, there you go. And, <laughs> and so, but he's working alongside a 23-year-old. Who's Jake was old. trying to not say it. Well, I'm just, I, you know, I'm I'm the resident old guy of this crew, this crew here. So so it, it's all it's all good. Um, but yeah, I just think that that's an amazing that's an amazing uh, detail about the way that the system is is working in the minor leagues right now. Yeah, I mean, and, and I mean, I I want to I want to make sure that I that I that I say this clearly. Like, um, the pitching coach is still a pitching coach, um, and 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 Alex's job is supplementary um, to the pitching coach. So uh, there there is there is kind of that relationship where um, if I want to go watch video or if I want to go back and watch Edutronic slow motion camera on how that slider came out of my hand, um, there's there's kind of a chain of command if you will, that I have to follow, which I think is good. Um, but a little bit funny backstory, uh, a little different than the current topic of data and analytics. Uh, after my three-inning outing uh, and I pumped my chest and you said, remind me of Papelbon, um, <clears throat> Kip pulled me aside and, you know, we we're having our post-game discussion in the middle of the game and he's telling me, you know, he's like, good job, you know, where are you feeling? We're, just had a good conversation. And then at the end he says, you know, you can call me old school. Uh, he's like, call me old fashioned. He said, I'm not mad at you. Uh, but I just think that that was a little much. The chest pump was a little <laughs> much. So, so he self-proclaimed old school. Don't feel bad about calling him old school. Um, but I will say that he is, he is, um, unbelievably intelligent and well aware of the role that technology plays in baseball today. Um, and, and going back to what I said, he's also aware that, uh, Pitching and baseball is more art, um, and there's a component of science, but the art is not 100% science. Yeah, thanks for clarifying that too. That's yeah. that, that's that's really good context about about the relationship and how it works. Yeah, 100%. I have one one last question, and you uh, we're talking about it a little bit with uh, your your own slider that you're uh, that you have there. But if you could take one pitch from any other of your teammates, starter, reliever, and you could just put it in your arsenal and you have it now, they, they don't have to lose it or anything. It's not like space jam where they, you know, like they steal the talent from the player and then the person can't really walk anymore. Like you, they're fine, but whose pitch would you take and why? That's a good question. Whose pitch would I take and add to my repertoire? My first reaction is Angel Bastardo's changeup. Um, absolutely devastating the way it plays off of his uh, fastball and his, plays into his mix. Um, would love Alex Hoppy's velocity. I believe he's got the highest velocity in the entire Boston Red Sox organization on the average fastball. Yep. Um, I would absolutely love a Jordan DiValerio splitter. Uh, and now I know I'm just getting picky and getting choosy, but – uh, dude, I mean, I'm surrounded. I'm surrounded by some great arms, man. I really am, um, and 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 they help me get better. And we're always talking about pitch grips and everything, um, but specifically, probably something that plays well with my uh, with 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 my current profiles of my pitches is probably, uh, if I had to guess, um, would love to be able to spin somebody into the ground with a changeup. It's always been my favorite pitch, so I, <laughs> I like that answer. 
Yeah, I would love I would love for them to just be seeing dead red, dead red fastball and to be able to have the ability to pull the string on them. Um, because those are that, that results in some in some funny looking swings uh, that I don't, I'm not that capable of getting because all of my stuff is just hard. Um, and mainly it's just big on big. They swing through things. Um, but I would love to be able to put somebody in a spin cycle and have them to go down on the knee uh, on, a, on a change up. That's the Brian Bale. Uh, that's the Brian Bale method. Yeah, 100 percent. 100 percent. Yeah, if you're taking a big league, your pitch, though, take Yohan Duran's splitter because I want to see 100-mile-per-hour splitters in Red Sox. <laughs> hey, I would love Honeywell uh, with the Padres' screwball. Have you guys seen that thing? Yes, that too. Oh, that's what, outrageous. What a lost art the screwball is. Oh, my goodness. That pitch is disgusting. Dice K's long lost a gyro ball, wherever that is. Hey, what about Cano's changeup uh, with the uh, Orioles? Orioles? How does yeah. anybody ever hit that guy? Yeah, that guy came yeah. out of nowhere. It's amazing. Yeah, the opponent batting average has been zero on his changeup. Yeah. It, He's got 22 it, it, It's a cheat code. <laughs> yeah, actually. It's crazy. Crazy. I have, I have one last question. About, I think we're probably going to wrap up here soon. Who is – so you got stakes with with with, my, with uh, Marcel Meyer and, and Blaze Jordan. Who's who's the grill master? Like who is the person that's going the grill? <laughs> Um, I can tell you right now, I'm not. <laughs> but I'm not going to choose one of the two because they like to. They get a little competitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> I'm happy being the taste tester. Wrap <laughs> okay. them in the judge of the middle. They start grilling stuff and fighting over a grill. Yeah, you yeah. guys. They, they, they do a good job and they keep me well fed, so I'm happy. You guys were at the ballpark last night. Was that like a team thing or was that like a family thing? What was that? Um. It was a team thing. Um, anyone who was in town or who had people in town was more than welcome to come. Uh, a couple of girlfriends were there. Some some high school friends were there. Um, but there's a beautiful, beautiful uh, rooftop section um, over in left field. Um, yeah, that video you had was awesome. That, that view was insane. It was incredible, man. And so they opened it up to us post-game. Um, and we just hung out there, played some cards. Um, Joe Jones um, – Made a made an announcement that uh, I would really really love to make, but can't make it probably on on, on this right now. Uh, so I'll leave you thinking with thinking about that. But uh, um, okay, uh, big fan of Joe Jones. Happy for him, and and, and right now is an exciting time in his life. So uh, excited for him. A little cliffhanger. I like that. Well, I'm gonna be just uh, like well, typing in Joe Jones, <laughs> trying to try to see if my social media stalking skills can really pass the test. No, he's a great dude, man. I'm I'm I'm, I'm stoked for him. Well, last thing, if, if 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 you get a chance to hit in the game, are you are you are you taking a hack? Are you taking a big league hack? I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you right now. I'm swinging out of my shoes three times. <laughs> And um, even if it's not close, um, <laughs> I'll probably swing through three straight pitches, but uh, I'm going for broke. Don't blame me. That's going to be a really exciting moment 15 years from now when it's like, oh, wow, Christopher Troy is getting into it. He, he has to bat now. The, the DH is out of the game. It's going to be like, oh, he's going to it's going to be a Bartolo Colon moment. <laughs> That'd be amazing. I'd rather it be more of a Madison Bumgarner moment. Every day. Fair. Well, that that means that there's going to be a ton of them, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, There's nothing wrong with that, though. Yeah, 100%. Pinch hit pitcher. One more time. A pinch hit pitcher. Yeah, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Cool. So, um, any any other questions? I'd probably get blown away by 88, though. So. <laughs> no, I'm good. Uh, this is awesome, Christopher. Yeah. Thanks, thanks yeah. so much for, for doing this. And uh, yeah, you know, uh, we're gonna be you know we're gonna be watching you, uh, and I uh, hope you continue to uh, hope you continue to do great. We didn't really even talk that much about how great of a year that you are personally having, which yeah. you are. Uh, just a, a really excellent strikeout to walk ratio, and just you know, if you keep keep up those keep up those uh, three inning seven K performances, we'll be. Uh, more more people will be talking about you than than us. <laughs> I'll take it one pitch at a time and see what happens. Love it. Uh, where can people follow you if they wanna if they wanna keep tabs? Like where uh, where's your where are you, where can they see you? Christopher Troy with an E on Instagram. Um, Troy spelled T R O Y E, and then my Twitter is Christoph Troy because there's a character. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, 
follow me on follow me on Instagram and, and Twitter. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for coming on. Really can't wait to you know uh, I I'm sure you're happy to have the off day, but I'm I'm I love following yeah, how you guys are doing. So I'm it's lost always, on it's Mondays. Always the slowest day. Yeah, I'm lost on Mondays. I never know what to do with myself. <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, I really appreciate you guys having me on. It's been fun. Awesome. So uh, we'll be uh, we'll be back on. I think you guys are on Wednesday uh, yep. with a surprise guest. So yeah, uh, we'll I think that episode will. I think that episode will air on Thursday. But yeah, okay. And then and then you'll probably hear this episode on Wednesday. On Wednesday, but yeah. Okay. We, I wasn't we have another, sure what the release we have, schedule. We have like another stuff. guest coming this week, so uh, definitely, okay. definitely subscribe if you aren't already. Cool. See y'all next time. <laughs>